Uh, my name is Shafin, and I'm the pastor of Oceans Church, along with my amazing wife. And let me tell you, it is so good to be here with you. And we really do want to welcome you here if you're here for the first time. Also, let's turn around and welcome those that are watching online. Let's give them a big wave. Let's make some noise. So good. We love you guys. We appreciate you joining us wherever you're watching us from as well. Um, you know, I was going to go straight into my message, right? And I've got a message prepared. But what, what I sense, I, I rarely, rarely do this. But what I just had a sense is just to share something different with you briefly. Because I just believe that Jesus actually wants to meet some people here right now in this moment. Um, you know, when we look around the world, uh, the world can be in a bit of a mess, right? Uh, the world can be a mess right now with, with things that are happening right now. You're probably friends with people who are on what side of the aisle when it comes to government, when it comes to vaccines, but not only that, when it comes to a whole lot of other issues in our life, right now the world can be in a bit of a mess. It's a beautiful place, but it can get a bit messy. And I shared with this um, a little earlier, but the truth is also we can be a bit messy on the inside as well. There's things that can be going on in our own life, in our own world, when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to family. Life can just get messy. But I just want to really quickly encourage us because I believe that Jesus wants to do something powerful here in this moment. And the first thought is this. There is hope beyond the mess because number one, Jesus actually meets us right in the middle of our mess. He meets us in the middle of our mess. Sometimes we so often think, I need to clean myself up I need to get my issues sorted out. I need to get myself to a certain point. And then Jesus can meet me when I've got things cleaned up a little bit. But let me tell you, Jesus meets you right where you are. Sometimes we like to figure it all out. We've got our plans sorted. We've got our spreadsheets figured out. We've got the calendar set, our to-do list set. Now I'm ready. But you know what? Often that just doesn't cut it. And what Jesus wants to do is meet us in the middle. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. It says, God shows His great love. He demonstrates His love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in our mess, while our hand is still in the cookie jar, while we're wiping the guilt away, while we're still in, in our mess, in whatever pit what we might have found ourselves in, God sent Jesus into the world to die for us. The Bible says in John 3.16, God so loved the world. He loves you and all of you are in the world. God so loved the world that He sent His only Son into the mess. When Jesus came on the earth 2,000 years ago, let me tell you, the world was just, just as much of a mess as it is now because the world is a mess when God isn't involved. We do a good job of messing it up. But Jesus came into the world. And you know, the, the following verse on this most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, it actually says, For God sent His Son into the world, not to tell it off, not to whack it over the head with a wooden spoon, not to come down with some kind of judgmental attitude and say, you've got to clean yourself up, fix up your mess. But he actually came down to save the world, to lift the world. He meets us in our mess. But then the second thing is, which is so beautiful, is not only does he meet us in the middle of his mess, of our mess, but Jesus makes something beautiful of our mess. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Everything beautiful. Not just the pretty things, but the ugly things, the painful things, the messy things, the things that just don't line up, the things that don't make sense, the things, the messes that we've caused, that we've made ourselves. 
We do a good job of making our own mess. But then the messes that we just inherit, the messes that happen, the messes we walk into, God makes everything beautiful in its time. This is what God does. He's the master renovator. He wants to come in. And if your house or your situation right now seems a little bit like an overgrown house with the walls are caving in, it's okay because Jesus wants to meet you in the middle of it. And then he begins a beautiful process of making your mess beautiful. And that's what he does. And, and, and tonight I just have a sense, just, just for a few moments, that Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. And he's saying, would you come to me? Would you entrust your mess to me? So why don't we just all stand up together? We just want to push out some space. For me, this is really inconvenient because it's cutting into my preaching time and my message that I all have planned out neatly in a practice. But it's very inconvenient to me, but it's not inconvenient to God. Romans 8.28 says, We know that God causes everything to work together for your good. Everything. Your messes. And so what I'd like to do is just invite the prayer team just to come up. If you guys could come up the front. Just going to create some space. Some leaders, some of our key leaders, if you guys just come up. What we want to do is just, just for a few minutes, just create just some space. No matter what's going on in your life, if you find yourself in a mess, you find yourself impossible to get out from, why don't you just even right now, we're going to come in and sing this song earlier that, that Chris introduced to us. And it was over how the, the Spirit of God hovers, hovers over what was chaotic and God brings order out of what was once chaotic. So why don't you just come to Him even right now or if you want to lift your hands up to God. Why don't you close your eyes across this room. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and hover over this place right now. Holy Spirit, those, Lord God, that are in messy situations, Lord God, those that are struggling, Lord God, with decisions that they're making around, around work, Lord God, around the vaccines, Lord, around all these things that are going on in their lives, Lord Jesus. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come. And so if that's you, why don't you just quickly get out of your seats right now and come forward for prayer because I believe that Jesus wants to meet you in the middle of the mess right now. Just come out of your chairs if that's you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's sing. Yes, God, we declare that you are Lord, that you are God, that your name is above every other name, Lord. Every situation, every heartache, every confusing piece of our life, God, we lift up the name of Jesus. And so right now, why don't we just from the front to the back, let's just let out a mighty roar, give glory to one name above it all. Come on. Let's thank God tonight one more time. He's so good. Awesome. All right, you can take your seats. And how awesome is that? Let's give it up for the band as well. Awesome. I'm just going to send a complaint to heaven for um, wrecking my message um, for that. <laughs> awesome. How good is that? You know, I just love that. Jesus, he's so good. He is good even when I'm not. He's faithful when we're not. He can make beauty out of all of our mess. Let me tell you, I've had a bit of a messy life. Life can get messy for me, but he is he's so good. So um, let me just um, take a moment just to recollect myself <laughs> after that. Awesome. Hey, we've, we've been having this series called Together, and it's been unashamedly all about the church. All about the church. And you know what? The reason being is because the church is actually Jesus' bride. The church is Jesus' bride. You know how you talk about someone's bride? <laughs> oh, dear. Um, the other, yesterday, I went and married my cousin down in Dwelling Up. It was beautiful. Actually, at Oceans, we've got like two weddings in five weeks. It's just, just take a number. 
Um, and, um, and marriage is such a beautiful thing. But let me tell you, the guy that I married yesterday, he's a gentle giant. He's got a soft heart, but let me tell you, he's a lean, mean fighting machine. And I, I think if I had a go at his wife, I think he'd have a bit of a go at me. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it makes me think that how often we can just have a go at the church, at Jesus' bride. He's like, yeah, she's messy. Yeah, she's not perfect, but she's my bride. She's, the, she's my bride who I died for, who I bled for, who I gave my life for. I love her, and I'm coming back to bring her back home to be with me in eternity. You know, we, we want to talk about the bride in a way that will bring honor to God. And, um, you know, the, but we know that the church, as Flick was saying, isn't the building, it's the people. It's the people, all of us in our mess. Let me tell you, you're a beautiful mess right now. It's just such a beautiful mess. <laughs> I'm a beautiful mess. Um, but, you know, the church are people who are gathered together for a purpose, for one purpose, for one purpose, to bring glory to God by bringing the good news, by being a shining light in a dark place. And, you know, right now the world is a bit of a dark place. It's a beautiful place, but it can be a dark place. And what God is looking for, He calls us to be the light of the world, to be a light in darkness. And there's actually a great scripture in um, Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. It says, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. I like to think those who know the priorities, those who live appropriately under God will shine bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Those, those that live their lives to bring many people to be in right relationship with God will shine brightly forever. God, Jesus calls us to be a lot to the world. Some people that can look off, they can reference their lives from. But there's, there's two types of lights or stars that we can be. The first is a shooting star. Has anyone seen a shooting star before? Put up your hand. Put up your hand if you're yet to see a shooting star. All right. All right. Just spend some time in Albany. You'll be all right. Out of the city lights, you see one. Shooting stars. What's the longest you think you've ever seen a shooting star last for? A couple of seconds, two seconds, three seconds. That's a long one. That's good. And they, they, they're just there for a split second, then they're gone. Occasionally, I've seen one that was lasted for ages, like two and a half seconds. But it was like, it was bright, it was amazing. Wow, Jesus. The thing is about a shooting star is it comes and goes as quickly as it came. And if I think about the shepherds and the kings who found Jesus, the Savior, who was born in a manger, they followed a star all the way till they found Jesus. And in the same way, God wants you and I to be a light that leads people to Jesus and if we're going to be a shooting star here for a moment and gone for an X, then we might, we're not as effective. A shooting, you know, sometimes I've seen people come into church like shooting stars. They can come, they're like, wow, they're amazing, they're fantastic, yeah, serving, whoa, high five, yeah, whoa, Jesus, whoa. And then it's like, did you come here with that person to come ages ago? Yeah, yeah, they're a nice person. And they can, in and out. And, and I want to encourage us to consider, and I used to be a shooting star, I used to shoot my way through a whole lot of churches. Fantastic. I know every now and then God moves us. But, you know, shooting stars are ineffective to lead people to Jesus. What, what God is looking for are people who are a Polaris. Everyone say Polaris. It, it's a nice, solid, strong word. I like the way it sounds. Polaris. Everyone say Polaris. Come on. I want to be Polaris. Dave. Dave's grunting. I want to be, not polarizing, <laughs> Polaris. <laughs> you know, Polaris is the name of the North Star. And the North Star is the North Star because it's north. <laughs> it's directly above the North Pole. And because of the rotation of the Earth around its axis, it's the only star that never appears to move. 
But the thing is about a North Star, I thought initially that the North Star would be like lit up like a neon sign. You'd look up, there's a North Star, like a big neon light right there. But the North Star is actually quite a faint star. In fact, when you want to find the North Star, you've actually got a reference of other brighter stars that act as pointers to point to the North Star. And, you know, the North Star is a star that people have circumnavigated the globe by referencing themselves off. So sailors, Christopher Columbus, others, he's a bit of a byword apparently these days, but anyway, Christopher Columbus has used the North Star to navigate the seas to find new lands. And, you know, God wants us to be people's North Star. And the slaves in the United States, in the height of slavery, what they would do is follow the North Star until they could cross the border into Canada, into freedom. And in the same way, God wants us to be a light in the world that can be a light, leading people to Jesus so they can be rescued out of their slavery to the enemy as well. But one encouraging thing about Polaris is that it isn't a very bright star, like I said. Polaris, its strength, it's, it's got one strength, it just stays there. It's just always there. In and out of every season, throughout every generation, when you start your journey, at the end of the journey, when you, start, when you get in the boat, when you get there in the end, it's just still there. It's not that bright. In fact, there's two kind of faint stars that actually appear to be one star. And I think it gives hope for all of us. You don't have to be the sharpest tool in the tool shed to be effective. You don't have to be bright. <laughs> Flicks like, hey, man, hey, you're pretty sharp. Don't worry. You don't, you don't have to be bright and spectacular and look at my gifts and I can, oh, no, you know, I'm, I'm amazing. And it's like, leave that to the shooting stars. All you've got to be is just one, just, you've got one job. <laughs> just stick around. <laughs> stick around long enough and people will navigate their lives off of you. You'll be a light to them. And when we draw that into being a church, you know what, you know what let me tell you, we've seen so often People will, will be caught out on a rip out here, but we'll be, we'll be caught out of community. People will be lost in the high seas and doing their thing as the world. But when, when the church remains consistent and strong, people will come to church. They often drift out and then drift back in. And what God wants to do is to raise up a lampstand, to raise up a North Star, to raise up a church that people can navigate their lives from. So no matter what storms they face, no matter where they go, that there's a consistent light that shines through. Um, God wants us to be Polaris. And so what we've been doing over the last three weeks is just really looking at what does it mean to be together? Because for us to be an effective Polaris, to be an effective light, I mean, I just love what Flick's been, been sharing about. You know, the first, first thing we need to do is literally to um, gather together. So week one, we had a look at prioritizing the gathering. Prioritize gathering. Because ambient light can't lead you. Like light particles out there, just sort of this ambient light. So there's the ambient light that soaks into this room from outside, but then you've got a focal point of light, that, like that spotlight right there, that can actually lead you. And ambient light leads really nowhere, but a focused light actually can lead. So when we come together, like the two faded North Stars, when we come together, then that enables us actually to be a Polaris. We need to prioritize a gathering. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple stuff. And thank God, because I need simple. And so when we talk about prioritizing the gathering, we mean on Sundays and for our church dinner parties and adopting this rhythm as much as you can. I love what Flick's been saying about how we need to rock up. Just rock up. And, and, and right now I'm preaching to the choir because thank you for rocking up. Like I actually really mean it. Thank you. I really, really from the bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful 
that today you prioritised, instead of bowing down to good weather, bowing down to beach, bowing down to Netflix series, bowing down to another good thing that came up, tonight you've decided to rock up and honour God and, and, and honour what God is doing and honour the people that he's bringing here tonight that may encounter God for the first time. Just by you rocking up, you can change someone's life, change someone's world. R- rock up. And then the whole sit-up. I love it. What Flick was sharing. So sit-up. Like we love, we love, just practically, we love filling up the rows from the front just because it gets a bit awkward. Um, so we'd love you to fill up from the front to the back and everything if it's you want. But, but they're there. Well, come on, sit down. It's okay. They won't bite. You can get to know some different people. You can change your seats every now. So sitting up means sitting up practically at the front. But it talks about, the first one talks about honouring God, rocking up, honours God. Second one talks about actually a hunger after God. I'm sitting up, I'm leaning in, I'm coming, I'm hungry, I'm sitting up on the inside as well. I'm being like, not that I need it, but I'm, but I'm being vocal. I'm, I'm, hu- I'm hungry to hear the preaching, I'm hungry to write down and maybe take notes. And the sit up may demonstrates the hunger. And then the whole look up thing talks about our hospitality, three H words. We want to be hospitable. We want to look up around our, outside of our friendship groups and look out for people that are new so we can be hospitable, so we can demonstrate the hands and feet of God. So first thing, we had a look at the other way. We to prioritize the gathering. Last week, we talked about practicing serving. So get into the habit of serving. You know, the most Christ-like thing you can do is to serve. Because Jesus said, I didn't come for you guys to serve me. You know, just, just right here, please. Just get a polish right here, thanks. Jesus didn't come, he could have, he created the world, and, um, but Jesus didn't come to be served, he came to get underneath and to serve, to the point where Jesus died for us in his service, God to us, to lift us up. And so the invitation from God is, is to be Christ-like, is to actually be serving. And when we serve one another, we help to preserve unity, a togetherness, we, we outdo each other in, in showing honour and serving and and helping. So just, just really practically, a great way for us to do that is to, is to, I'm just here to help. Is there anywhere, area that I can help at all? We, we like to be a participator, not a spectator. And so I, I just want to, again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Like, I, I, I can't express and put into words how grateful I am for all of you here. Like, this, this is family, and this is like the delight of our lives to be doing this adventure. We're all different stages of it but we get to intersect our lives for this moment and i just want to thank the people that have been serving for for so long those that have just jumped on for the first week those that are in kids that is a those that are serving thank you because you you are what is making all of this possible and you know there's they talk about church ratios about how many people in church serve apparently the the average is about 17 percent, but i think we've got about 60 65 percent um, of our church come on give yourselves a big round of applause just the heart of Jesus. And so just the third thing I want to talk about tonight, and I'm going to try and make this as short as I can, um, but the third thing we can do around being together is to pursue the vision. And so we want to prioritize gathering, we're going to practice serving, and, what are we, and we're, going to, we're going to run after vision. We want to live vision-driven. We don't want to live just aimlessly, but, but we, we want to run after the loss. We want to run after God. And the Bible says in Proverbs 29:11. It says, when there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. They just do whatever they feel like. When there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. They just live, they just live whatever comes, whatever feels. But you know, people who think that freedom is doing what you want when you want. Oh, whatever I feel like, you just do it. Whatever you feel like, you just do you. 
You just do whatever you feel like. Be free. But can I tell you what? That's actually been actually quite, it's been a, a toddler. It's actually been, that's what toddlers do. I feel, I feel, nah! you know, I want that as sad as it is. I wish I could be a toddler sometimes as an adult. You know, some, some adults that do a good job of it. Um, but we think freedom is doing what I want when I want. But let me tell you, with our kids, if we let them do what they want when they want, they'll be tired, exhausted, they'll be unhealthy, they'll be no good. They would actually be in a slave to their own impulses. But, you know, true freedom is when you live a restrained life. When you go to bed on time, when you eat healthy, when you say no to a whole lot of things, when you live in restraint, is true freedom because then you're actually empowered to actually live free and live according to how God wants you to live. And so where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. You know what we need is we need a vision that will help to restrain us. Rather than being, have a scattergun approach, which isn't effective, if we can, like a magnifying glass, take all of our lights and focus them in like a spotlight, we can have a great impact in this time, in this place, with these people as we align ourselves with a vision and a prophetic vision that God has given us. And so just a few things that vision can do. Vision, number one, it pulls us together. Vision pulls us together. So what I want to do is ask uh, Dan, are you able to come up to the front? This left Dan, we've got a few Dans. Give it up for Dan. And then also... I'm going to have, yep, Beck, come out the front, Beck. Thank you very much. Give it up for Beck. Beck's like, no, not me. Sorry. All right, cool. So what I'm going to do is demonstrate. Thanks, guys, very much. So can I please get you guys to start here and, and link arms, if that's okay. Is that okay, Josh? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so can I please get Beck in a moment? Can you aim for that corner? And then, Dan, I would like you to aim for this corner. And we're just going to see how it wins. So one, two, three, go. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's a bit of fight in back. Oh, Dan. Oh, look at Dan. He's just, he's just been kind. <laughs> awesome. So can you, can you see? Thank you for remaining up here. Oh, no, sorry. You're going to remain up here. Thank you. You're not going to get, a, get away with that that quick. Um, but so vision brings us together. But dark vision pulls us apart. So dark is just two visions, different visions. They're kind of going in the same direction but even two different ways. As churches, we looked at the one name of Jesus, but there's different beautiful expressions about how that is done. Some churches uh, do it this way, this way, but, but we're, we're heading in the same direction. But as a church, this is how we're doing it. This is the vision. And dive vision means another really good idea about how we... Do you know what? As many people are in our church, there's as many great visions we can have. In fact, your vision is probably better than mine. But but as a church, we would rather unite around an average vision. I think it's a pretty good vision, by the way. Um, but we'd rather unite around an average vision and be effective together than have dire vision and be pulled separately. So if we do it in the reverse order, can you go to that corner back, please, over there? Just Yeah, go to that corner. Now, um, and Dan, over here, please. And now I'd like both of you to please aim for this point right here. One, two, three, go. Oh, 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 look at that. High five each other, then you can get off the stage. Look at that. See how vision brought them together? Vision brought them together. Amazing, awesome. You know what I love about the church? We come together from all of our different backgrounds, from all of our different places. The Bible says that the Spirit of God comes upon the young and the old and the slave and the free, male and the female. The Holy Spirit comes upon all of us are united under one name, Jesus, and you know what, vision, when we have a shared vision, it literally brings us together. And I love the church. I love the ecclesia, the people gathered together, because you get all colors, 
on, 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 and sizes and shapes and backgrounds. At the end of the day, before Jesus on the throne, it says in Revelations, when Jesus comes back to bring his bride, the church, the people of God, are people from every tongue and tribe and background, and they're all going to be singing one name. And this is what the power of vision does. It actually brings us together. We we're less concerned about our differences and our different opinions about all kinds of current themes going on at the moment, and we're more concerned about lifting up one name. And so vision can pull us together. Let me tell you as well, vision actually gives us context for discipleship. Vision gives us context for discipleship. If you like, really practically, like serving, getting on board with mission and vision gives us the context for discipleship. See, when Jesus was on earth, he called a fisherman and a tax collector and all kinds of different people, right, into a bit of a huddle. And they're like, at each other. But Jesus brings them in, but he didn't bring them into a classroom and give them three years of training in a classroom and get them to know all of the head knowledge. But actually, he taught them lessons on the way. He said, hey, follow me, and I'm going to make you to be a fisher of men. I'm going to make you as you go. So as a church, our vision is that everyone would know God, would grow together, and would go with purpose. That everyone would know God, grow together, and go with purpose. And so we have a saying that the growing is in the going. You don't grow, then go. Otherwise, it'll be not, not goad. <laughs> it'll be just still and stationary because we never get there. Where is there anyway? Um, and so, so Jesus didn't put his disciples in the classroom. He said, hey, come and follow me and I'll make you pictures of men. So they're like, okay. He's like, okay, go, on, go into that village and heal the sick and cast out demons. They're like, hey, what? Hey, what? I thought you were going to come with us, Jesus. He's like, no, go. But I pushed into the deep end. Well, some of you might feel with me sometimes. <laughs> Just do. And, and, and so they go, and then they're, they're praying for people, and they come back to Jesus like, whoa, but the people have been healed. And let me tell you, they need to learn how to pray quick. I'll tell you what, it's a bit boring when you're like, this is how to pray. First, thank God. Then, no, follow these steps. I mean, it's good, it's good. But there's nothing like them going, oh, God, we need you, when they're like trying to cast out a demon and it comes and it gets. Like, like you, you need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to fast. You need to learn how to get over your heart issues and your selfishness because the disciples are like having their little mini argument in the background going, yeah, well, I cast out more demons. Yeah, I did more. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. No, no, shh, stop. Jesus is coming. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is like, kids, kids. Come on. And he's like, you want to be great? They're like, yeah. I mean, Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's like, well, you've got to get down. The greatest among you will be the servant of all. So servant, so they're like, oh, they're dealing with the heart issues, not in the classroom, but as they go. And so you can see serving creates the context for your discipleship. Because what is a disciple? Not someone who knows a whole lot, but actually obeys Jesus, who, who deals with the heart issues that, that lay below the service. So when, you, when you're serving and, and, and you come up against issues like you've got to swallow your pride. Like, for example, today, before the service, we do a talk and an encouragement for the team. Josh was rostered on, and I completely forgot that he was rostered on to do that. And he's, he's really good, by the way. But I had a mind, a brain. They call it a brain fart. Is that right, Jaden? Um, they call it a, a mind blank. Order. And for some reason, I thought it was me, and I gave the talk. But Josh was great. He's just humble. He's good. His heart, his heart is just, all right, it's your, poor Josh. 
He's <laughs> no, he's good. He's fine. He's fine. But, but let me say, there's all kinds of issues that, why do they always get up there? And, and well, hey, how you going? Are you, are you on time? Like, well, oh, why, why, why were you late? We're not trying to pounce on you. It's just, oh, a bit slack. You know, and, or, or whatever, whatever's going on. And, and so serving actually creates the context for discipleship where we can become more and more like Jesus. Vision creates the train tracks for us to grow together. Um, and also, vision helps us to have a much larger impact, a much larger impact. And this is what we've been sharing over the last few weeks, just a, one or two more minutes. Um, what we've been sharing over the last few weeks is a scripture from Genesis where it talks about the, the Tower of Babel, and how the people united, they all spoke the same language at that time, and they built a city and then a tower as a monument to their own greatness. Oh, let us, let our name be great. Don't we want our name to be great sometimes? I mean, I know we shouldn't, but, you know, it, it can sneak into our hearts. We want to be recognized. We want to be great. We want to be lifted up. We, and, and this is what they were doing. They wanted to make their name great, but, but God wants his name to be great not our name to be great, and so he had to confuse their language. But this was God's observation about these people. He says in Genesis chapter 11, about verse 6, God came and observed these people, and he said, look, they all speak the same language, and the people are united. The people are united, and they speak the same language. And he said, after this, nothing will be impossible for them. So God said of a people that we united around a cause that was anti-God, making a great name about themselves, his conclusion was nothing is going to be impossible for them. And so how much more true is it for us? As we speak the same language, as we unite around a shared vision, nothing is impossible for us. Nothing. And it's an impossible task that we have to reach the world with the gospel. And the world needs it. And so what God desires is that we will be together in unity. The Bible says, and I'll just invite the band to come up, the Bible says that God commands His blessing on unity. There's great power in our prayer. The supernatural power of God is released when there's unity, when there's togetherness. It, it, it's such a beautiful thing. You know when you see a footy team or a soccer team or, or siblings getting along together on the rare few seconds, am I right now? Um, the rare few seconds that it, that, that it works when you, you have your siblings getting along just for a few seconds, you're like, oh, take a picture, take a video, it's amazing. Um, but it's such a beautiful thing when, when, when you see things working together. And the heart of God loves it when we get along together. When we're not like a shooting star that maybe comes in for a few moments, maybe gets offended, maybe things don't go your way, maybe there's some issues there and some things. But can I encourage you to be a Polaris? And that together as we are Polaris, God wants to do the impossible. Let me tell you, it, it is, we live in a, we are living in an increasingly opposite anti-Jesus generation. But there is such a spiritual hunger out there. And you know what? Some, some Christians or, or some pastors go, oh, the world's so bad. It's just getting so worse. There's no hope. The churches, I'm not. We have more of an opportunity than ever. When the world is going so far from God, they'll more quickly discover how in need of an answer that they haven't yet found. And we have the answer. Come on, let's thank God. Um, I was going to share really, really practical 
something very practical with us. And then I'm just going to share my own personal example. You might want to take your phones and even take a picture of this. This, this is six ways that you can help us be together. It's like if you want, to, if you want something, a takeaway for this, this is it. Again, it's to come to Sundays and you're like, oh no, Shafin, you're harping on about it. But it's, can, I, can I say, because we so easily forget, next Sunday a really good opportunity is going to come up that will get in the way of the great, of the best. Sundays, prioritize the gatherings. Come on Sundays. Come to dinner parties if you can. And we can for, for me, what, the language we say in this church is, is this is never about forced expectation, but a bold invitation. I'm just boldly saying Jesus is the answer. I'm just boldly saying this is what the church has done for the last 2,000 years. In Acts, in Acts 2, the first ever church was a mega church of 3,000 people one day, then soon 5,000 people. How do they do it? Well, they gathered together in the temple, in the church, the ecclesia, but then they broke bread around the table, around dinner parties. They had dinner parties. <laughs> they didn't even know it. But they broke bread around the table. They just prioritized it. They did it. They were devoted, it says. It says they were devoted, and there was such a sense of togetherness, and people were being added to their number daily. Can I encourage you to serve? And you're like, I oh, know, we heard about it. Well, I'm saying again, just really practically, just serve. You know, young adults, sorry, you've got no excuse. <laughs> if you've got kids, you do. But also, you kind of don't, because like, we have so many parents that are, that, you know what, I don't care if you serve once every six weeks. It's not about how often or how high you jump. It's about... You have a part to play. We need you. We're a part of a body. A, a body, you know, the, the finger, I need my finger. If the finger jumped off my hand and wiggled over there into the distance and tried to find its purpose out there somewhere, a little finger just crawling around, going, going for a little hunt around for its purpose, dislodged from the body. The finger's just playing its part. The little tiny little bone in your ear to help you hear, just playing its part. Might be unseen. You don't have to do it. This isn't about how much, but it's about a heart thing. Saying you belong. Just, just maybe just begin. Get the engine warmed up again. Maybe now is your time. Another really practical way is to give. Is to give finance. Is to tithe 10%. If, you're, if Oceans isn't a part of your home church, all good. But you know what we do as Christians? We actually give 10% of our income to God towards the church because this is Jesus' body. What tithing actually does is say, God, I trust in you. Everything you've given me, I recognize as a gift given to me by you. We don't own ourselves. We don't own our lives. But he, he gives us everything we have. You know, God could say, give it all to me. In fact, he has, really. It's just a principle that we live by. It's a command in the Old Testament. It's a biblical principle that we get to do. I actually love it. Because I'm like, I get to do something really measurable and tangible that costs me something. That's more than just a... I love you, Jesus. You know, for a few moments on a Sunday, as good as that is, right? When it comes to impacting the old, woo, that's a bit like, oh, I don't know. Maybe you need to start at 1% and build. I don't know. Like it's, so this isn't about a rules. This isn't about a law. This isn't about a shoulds, but an invitation and a get to. If, if you want to like help us to be together, and I tell you what, we need finance. Do you know Jesus actually had finances? He had a lot of money, actually, because people not, he didn't keep it for himself, but he had treasurers. Judas was a treasurer. Um, and, and he had people actually donating money. There's, because he needed to have money to buy lunch. People, it was, he actually had finance. Money isn't evil. It's what you do with it. It's the love of it. 
It's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money in and of itself. It's a tool that we can use to be effective for the kingdom of God. And, you, you know, let me tell you, you know what we, we need? We, we need people to make bucket loads of cash. If you're an entrepreneur, if you've got a good job, I'm like, make bucket loads of cash because if we're going to make the impact that we need to make on, in the world, we absolutely are trusting in God to see who will be the ones that will be the provision for the vision the direction that we're going in. And again, you hear me? A bold invitation. I'm not going to check. But this is if you want to. Sunday's dinner party, serve, give. Can I say pray? Pray. And I mean, I mean pray. Whether it's at home in your living room, in your car, pray for this church. Pray for us. Pray, please pray for me. Please pray for Jess and I. We can't do this apart from the Spirit and the power of God. We can't. Jesus made it really clear. He's like, apart from me, you can do nothing. Like nada of spiritual significance. But we, we need and rely on your prayers for us, our team. We need, we need your prayers. You know, the Bible says apart from God's Spirit, um, it's not by my or not by power, but by God's Spirit. And you know what? Prayer is what releases the Spirit of God in any situation. And we need the Spirit and the power of God because this battle, this spiritual battle we fight against the devil, we need spiritual mighty weapons to see a dent in the darkness. So please pray with us. Please pray for us. Join the prayer team if you like. We have Hour of Power on Tuesday morning, 6am, 8 Cleaver Street, or you can jump online to Hour of Power um, and we'd love to give you more info about that. And then finally, what you can do, and, and these are measurable things that you can do to make an eternal impact. You can see that it's not too burdensome. It's not like you need to be the answer. You need to have every answer yourself. But as we play our part, what you can finally do is just to bring. Just bring. So you know people I don't. You are the pastor of people in your life that I may never meet. No, you are called and you're positioned by God to love them, to build a relationship with them, to pray for them in your insurance offices like Flick, in your, um, wherever you are, in your, whether you're a chiropractor, um, whether you're an OT, whether you're at school, whether you're studying, whether you're a support worker, your friends in your cafes and wherever you are, we gather and then we scatter. You go to your world. You go into, you are the pastor in the world. You are the Jesus in the world. You are the light in the world. And, and what you can do, you can be the whole answer to them. All, all you need to do is be yourself, be a relationship with them, and then kidnap them. I mean, bring them. <laughs> like literally, the Bible actually says, pretty much, this is my paraphrase, do whatever it takes, short of sin, to see people saved. I'm like, if you need to pay them to come, do it. <laughs> it's just build relationship with them and, and bring them. You might not be necessarily gifted to worship lead, but like Chris and play the keys like Ben and do amazing hospitality and things and kids and rah, rah. But you can, you can play your part. You can stand behind a video camera and point it in a direction. You can bring your friend along to church. You know what? If, if, if we did that, let me tell you, we would see God do amazing things. And we have seen God do it. So th this has been a real practical series. And so what I just love us to do in a moment, it's just to make a heart decision before God and say, God, throughout every season of my life, I want to prioritize your house, 
your house. If you take this, this is portable. To whatever other church you might be up in the future, I hope you, uh, I would love it if you were with us for, for the long term. Let me tell you, effective, fruitful churches have pastors that have been there for like 15 to 25 years. And, it's, and it goes with teams and people. It builds a consistency. It builds a confidence. It builds a sense of belonging for people, mutual connectivity. And, and now is just the beginning, what we believe that God wants to do in our church. And so can I, can I invite you, like Joshua, he says, as for, I don't know about you lot, but as for me and my house, as for me and my house, if you're not married yet, as for me and my family and my kids and my generation, we are going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to have a casual approach to it because casual Christians become Christian casualties. It's, it's, it's true. And, uh, and my heart is so grieved to see for so long where there's a casual approach to Jesus' bride. There's an impact there. And, and it grieves my heart well, over, the, over the many, many years that I've been in ministry to see families impacted by the decisions of maybe a parent who didn't realize that their decision would actually have a generational impact. But, but now we have an opportunity to go, God, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So why don't we just stand up together? Thank you, Lord. Let's just close our eyes across this place. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just consider in your heart and now bring it before God. Just bring it before God. This, this is what I've said now, but why don't you now open your heart up? Just say, Holy Spirit, would you, would you come? Would you make this alive for me? This is between me and you, God. And right now, if you want to lift your hands to God, as now was a sign of your surrender, God is saying, surrender to me. Prioritize what I want you to prioritize. Surrender to me. Surrender to my vision. Surrender to my spirit. Surrender your life to me. And Lord God, says so tonight, Lord Jesus, just once again, and maybe here in the, for the first time in this place, you're actually aligning your heart for the sake of future generations for your life, saying, God, I'm going to prioritize the house of the Lord. I'm going to prioritize being together. I'm going to say yes to you. No longer going out on, on my own. You know, years ago, I remember I was, I was a bit of a shooting star. I'd, I'd bring my guitar into Northbridge and lead people in worship on the streets. I'd be on the trains, and I still do a bit of this. Got in front of my TAFE class, and I'd be on the trains and in the laundromats and telling people about Jesus, and it was awesome. But I can tell you what, that was my vision. But when I surrendered my vision, and I still, still do it, I tell people everywhere, always looking for opportunity. But when I brought the strength of my life, and all its weakness, but the, when I brought the strength of my life and aligned it with a local church and said, God, I, I want to I lend my strength so that together we can see an impact. I have never been as fruitful. I've never been more fruitful and seen as much of an impact when I've done that. Because there's one, key, one more key phrase is, if you're part of a larger church, you actually be a, need to be a larger person because it's less about you. For us as a church, as we grow, we need big people on the inside who say, it's not about me. It's actually me playing my part. And so right now, why don't you just surrender to God? Lord God, tonight we just come to you and we just say yes to you afresh, God. We're going to align the strength of our life, God, with your vision. Lord, this house, Lord God, we say yes to you. Yes to you, Lord. 
And Lord God, I thank you that as we say yes to you, Lord God, you release a blessing, Lord. You release a blessing right now, Lord God. I thank you for breakthrough, for relationships, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, for a greater sense of belonging than ever before. I just say that you belong, that you belong, that this is home, that this is home for you. This is where you can raise your kids. This is where you can have your grandkids. This is a place of encounter. This is a place for vision. This is a place where you can exercise your gifts. This is a place where you can learn to be like Jesus. This is a place where you can learn to forgive. This is a place where you can learn to get over the things that you were unable to break through before. And Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, for a fresh wave of your spirit, Lord God, to awaken a fresh love for the house of the Lord, a fresh love for Jesus' bride, a fresh love for the mess even, Lord God. Tonight, Lord Jesus, we worship you. We surrender to you again. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Fire away and come and do it again.